Creativity alone just won't cut it. The C Word is a podcast about when creative meets business. You're in a place for designers who want a creative business in which they're valued. Great client relationships, work to be proud of, and the moolah to show for it. All with your sanity and creative mojo intact. Join me, Beck Hughes, your creative business cheer squad, for weekly chats to inspire and spur you into action. Let's challenge the BS, the shoulds, the fads and the FOMO and find what works for you. I'm going to let you into a little secret. In the past 12 months, I've had a 93% conversion rate on my discovery calls. The other 7% are a mixture of me or them deciding it just wasn't the right fit, I guess. And I don't tell you that to go, oh, look at me, I've got a 93% conversion rate. I tell you that because it's an important message about the way that I use the discovery core in my business and how I approach that discovery process. I don't attribute that figure to the discovery call alone. In fact, I think a very small part of it is actually due to the discovery call itself. And for me, there isn't a huge amount of pressure on that discovery call. Of course, I put my best foot forward, but I don't see it as a momentous or high pressure point in the sales process. But I do know that for many of my designer clients, and maybe for you too, the discovery call can be a bit of a hairy prospect, can get the butterflies going. There can be a bit of trepidation around it. You know, what questions should I ask? How do I tackle objections if they come up? What if I don't have amazing, insightful things to say or you know, I don't have the answer to a question straight away. And it can be overwhelming, right? Intimidating almost. So in today's podcast, my aim is to take a bit of the pressure off what is a somewhat unavoidable thing in our business as designers. So that perhaps the discovery call can become a bit more of a pleasure and a bit less of a chore, hopefully. So I'll touch on what a discovery call actually is, just so we're on the same page. I do think sometimes those definitions are important. I'm going to share the biggest secret when it comes to discovery call success. Is it a secret? I don't know, but it sounds good, doesn't it? (laughs) And I'll share some tips for making them great, focusing around what works for me. So firstly, what is the discovery call and why is it even necessary? So to be clear, the discovery call is not part of the briefing process. This is a really important point. It's not when you start to gather all of the ins and outs of that client's business. You know, their brand aspirations and the facts and figures that influence the project. It's not where you have to get really, really deep. If you're sending out some gargantuan questionnaire as the precursor to a discovery call, please don't. It's just wasting everyone's time. That's not a pre-qualifier. 
it's an unnecessary barrier. Getting someone to fill in reams and reams of questions before you've even met them is unnecessary. Are you even going to use that information? Now, I'm going to have a little bit of a segue here, actually, because I had a similar experience on this some time ago. So I was going to a new hairdresser. I was quite a fancy hairdresser. And in order to make the booking, I had to complete this questionnaire. And they wanted to know what products I use, what texture my hair was, how often I washed it, when the last cut was, everything about what was important to me in terms of color and style. There were so many questions. And then when I got to the appointment and I sat down with the stylist, she asked me all of those questions all over again. She hadn't even looked at that information. So I think it's really important in a process to make sure the information you're asking isn't just a box tick ticking exercise or to show that you have this expertise or this knowledge. It should actually be information you need and is going to enhance the process in some way. So the discovery call, it's a getting to know you process where you actually find out if you're a good fit for each other. So do some pre-work, absolutely. But don't over-invest and don't make assumptions before you've even spoken to this prospective client. The discovery call is not. It's not your TED talk. It's not your moment in the sun where you deliver your elevator pitch or have to prove yourself or cram your life's work and perspectives into a 30-minute Zoom showreel. It's not that. It's not the point in the process where you have to produce the solution. The whole point is, is that when you do decide to embark on this project together, that's when you start to uncover the solution. And you don't have to be something you're not. I think there's some pressure that, oh, I've got to show up in some really professional, polished way in this discovery call. I want to create this persona. But in fact, the discovery call is exactly where you should be the most you. Because you want to create partnerships with those who want that, who want the most authentic version of you. You don't want to put on some kind of persona, some kind of front, and then for that not to be the consistent experience that that client gets further down the track, that the experience doesn't meet the promise. They have found you and come to you at this point for a reason. They have created some connection with you in their mind. So make sure you're still that same person. And this may be a little bit controversial, but it's not the point where you have to close the sale, in air quotes. Not in practical terms. You don't have to hound that client into signing up there and then. This is not double glazing sales tactics where you sit in someone's front room until you finally wear them down and they sign up. They call their boss four times to get a discount, another discount, another discount until they get the sale there and then. My belief is if they want to work with you, they will. And removing their time to reflect on that or do their due diligence, it isn't respecting their decision-making process. You know, ask yourself, do you really want clients who have made a pressured decision? I don't think you do. And look, I do hear you. <laughs> I really do. Why do we even need this discovery call, Beck? Can't I just create some kind of 
magical process that means that the client just signs on the dotted line and hands over the cash without me needing to eyeball them or convince them. And my answer to that is this. First, the discovery call is for you as well as the prospect, that prospective client. It's not something you want to skip for yourself. When you're working through a lengthy brand process or a website process, it will serve you very well to know who you're going to be cozying up with, don't you think? And the best way to know that is to spend a little bit of time having a chat, getting to know that person. Secondly, from the client perspective, I don't know about you, but no matter how tempting, I wouldn't make a decision to hand over a substantial amount of cash and trust without satisfying myself that this person lives up to the promise and the expectation in real life. So you need to give your client that opportunity. How many opportunities might you miss because you don't just plug that final gap for them, that final question? And finally, there's this idea of convincing them. Again, air quotes. I might use air quotes a lot in this podcast. If your discovery process is done well, they're already somewhat convinced. Because like I said in my intro, this is the final check and balance. They're not coming to you cold. Honestly, they're not. Whether you know it or not, something has happened to get them to this point. They've either been referred by someone they trust or they've been watching and lurking for some time. And you might not even know those things. But they have some sense of knowing or familiarity about you. Not in a creepy way, but they didn't find you yesterday and just make the discovery call. I mean, that might happen once in a blue moon. That has happened to me, having said all that. But that exception does not prove the rule. So that's, for me, a little bit about what a discovery call really is and what job it should serve. Right, moving on. I mentioned my discovery call conversion rate. But I will also say that my proposal download to discovery call conversion is much lower. Because you've got the people who are snooping and, you know, a good few who are excluded because of their own budget constraints, perhaps, or vision for what they actually need. And as an aside, my pricing means I don't necessarily want a high conversion rate at that point either. I want this step to sort out the matches from the mismatches. This step being that proposal download. Because that process doesn't take up any of my time because it's automated. So that for me is a big part of the pre-qualifying process. And that brings me to my secret of a successful discovery call. And that is, it's not about the discovery call at all in many ways, not in the first instance anyway, because the first rule of discovery calls is to recognize it's part of a process and not an isolated event. So I have a strong sense when I meet someone in a call that they're already pretty much decided. Do you ever get that feeling? And that this is just like I said, the check and balance, the belt and braces. You know, they just want to make sure that I don't have 
a close affiliation with a Nigerian prince who wants to give them a million dollars, for example. They want to fill any gaps and clarify some things, which means that there is an exchange that has gone before that you might not have been as active in as you will be in the discovery call, but you've still been a participant in. So there is an important point here that the work that goes in before the discovery call, right from your initial content that you share in that early getting to know you process, you know, the content you put on socials, the kind of information you share, how you build that relationship, how maybe you nurture that relationship through your emails, the valuable content that you put into your downloadable proposal, all of that will set someone up. You know, the great work that you've done that means that you've got people referring and recommending you. So that person comes to you with a sense of comfort already. In theory, they already want to work with you. And the discovery call is actually for you to lose. If you do something weird (laughs) or proactively put them off, it's yours to lose. They're there because they want to work with you. So let's assume You've been working tirelessly to captivate and engage and inform these watchers and lurkers through your marketing. They've downloaded and poured over your value proposal in detail. Wouldn't that be nice? So that they know that your pricing and your process and your services and the scope fit what they need. They've decided that you could be a good fit for them. And then that warmed up person then goes and books in a discovery call. Automated, of course, I hope. Then what? Then what? That's what I want to talk about in this podcast in particular. So step one, we've got them there. They're poised to book a discovery call. And step one is about setting yourself up for success. So in the discovery call booking process, gather some information. Again, please don't make it war and peace. I'm going to remind you of that. You don't need to know their ins and outs of their ideal client personas, their brand personality, their vision and values, their niche, or their Google Analytics statistics, where they host their website. You don't need to know all that stuff yet. Ask a few pointed questions. Firstly, to qualify the person or qualify the person and their business? What stage are they at? What do they want to achieve? What's their reason for contacting you? How did they find you? That's a big one. Make sure you capture that information now because they may forget, you may forget to ask. So ask that as part of your automation. And secondly, ask some questions to guide your research. So get their current website URL, perhaps their social links just so you can go away and do a bit of background research into them, their industry, maybe a few of their competitors. I'll say it again. This is not the questionnaire to formulate your whole brief. That comes if and when the project happens. Don't create unnecessary barriers for someone who just wants to have a chat with you and check you out. Do a final sense check. That's step one. Step two is then to do some background research. So they've booked in the meeting. They're sitting there excitedly waiting to chat to you because they can't wait to get this thing underway. Meanwhile, 
you're just doing a bit of background research. Emphasis on background. There is no need to spend hours on it. You know, you might go down a rabbit hole or get caught up in assumptions that aren't correct. There's a difference between being prepared with useful insight and having answers ready to hypothetical questions that may not even be relevant. You can burn a lot of time and get way off track doing that. So when it comes to your research, focus on their answers to what they want to achieve and why they contacted you. And maybe start to formulate in your own mind what some of the opportunities and barriers might be in your opinion based on that information. But just remember, you are scratching the surface. This is desk research, it's not the whole picture. And you don't have to arrive at that discovery call with all of the answers. It's just about furnishing yourself with content to lubricate the conversation, let's say. Step three of the discovery process is the call itself. And there are some do's and don'ts here. There's quite a lot I want to talk about here. As I've said several times now, probably, (laughs) discovery calls are about finding out information, not about having the answers. So as a broad overview, in the call, I think the goals are to understand whether you're a good fit for each other, like we've talked about both in terms of energy and the offer. Are you selling what they want to buy? Are they looking for what you want to sell? You also want to get a broad understanding of their business, their offers, their audience. You want to get that feel for them. You do want to get a handle on their problem or problems and the challenges that they're facing. You want to understand that. Again, you don't have to go into the deepest of detail in it, but you want to understand what's going on for them. You want to understand their goals. What are they striving for or aspiring to? Um, You probably want to get a feel for any concerns or barriers they might have and offer some clarity there. Are they worried about the time frame? Have they had a bad experience in the past that's making them reluctant? You don't need to ask those things pointedly, but you want to lead the conversation there to pull some of those things out so you can address them. And also a goal would be to be realistic and give them a realistic understanding of whether you can deliver on their expectations. You know, if they're expecting a fully coded website that doesn't use any standard platforms like Squarespace or WordPress and that's where you work, then you need to understand that because that will very quickly lead you to the conclusion that you're not a match. You need to get a realistic understanding about time frame. They might want something next week and that's just not something you can do. And also around skill set. Can you deliver on what they want? Are they looking for someone to do a very fine illustration and you're not an illustrator? doesn't mean you can't work together, but you can set the expectation here that that might be something that you would need to involve someone else in. So that's just some of the broad goals, what you want to get out of this call. So what about a little structure or a framework, if you will, for your call? Let's talk about that. For me, the framework is pretty simple. 
Number one, pleasantries. Number two, explore. Number three, share. Number four, clarify. And then number five, next steps. So five key steps, if you like, or phases that you might lead that prospective client through in a discovery call. And remember, you are leading them. So that first one, pleasantries, that sounds nice, doesn't it? And I mention it because it is important. Maybe it's even one of the most crucial parts of the call. It's not just shooting the breeze and killing time. The pleasantries bit, it's also about balance. So you don't want to spend too much time having a natter, shooting the breeze, like I said. But at the same time, it is a great way to break the ice, get everyone feeling comfortable about sharing and to cover off one of the key goals that we've talked about, which is to find out if you're a good energetic fit. Because in that chat, you'll get to know and they will get to know if you're the kind of person that they want to work with for a prolonged amount of time. So a nice informal chat is great, but know when to move things along and don't be reluctant to take the lead in doing that. If you're going to do a 45 minute discovery call, you really don't want to spend 35 minutes of that talking about your pet Labrador and their darling Siamese cat. You've probably wasted a little bit too much time. That can come later. Number two is explore. Okay, so I mentioned explore. This is probably one of the bulky parts of the discovery call. When it comes to the opener in this part of the call, the purpose is to get them talking and find out more, not to talk about yourself and your services. And I think this is a fairly common mistake to think of the discovery call as your pitch where you talk about what you do. But word of caution, Don't just go with, so tell me about you and your business. It's not focused enough. This could go anywhere. Or tell me what you need is another one to avoid because it's guaranteed to get you a laundry list of deliverables, of practical stuff. I think a good thing to say or maybe to open with is I've had a look at your website or your socials or your brand because you want them to know that you took the time to look. And I'd love to know about your business from your perspective. So I think it's setting the scene to say, I have done the research, but I'm interested in you and I want to hear it from you. And then you might move into something like, can you share a bit about the background and your business journey to this point? This instigates a more meaningful conversation and stops them leaping straight into execution. Well, I want a website with 10 pages, not five. So you're starting it in the beginning where they will start to reflect about why they started, what they've done to this point, and really what's led them here. And through that, you will get an understanding of their business, what they do and who they do it for. My number one tip in the explore phase is don't turn into a quick fire Q&A. This is not about you having a list of 20 questions or more that you must plough through and get answers to come hell or high water because that will make for a very stilted and high pressure conversation. It won't flow naturally and it won't feel natural and the client might end up feeling a little bit under the pump. 
the most important part of a discovery call is listening to what you're being told and responding to that. Not necessarily getting answers to all of your preset questions. Yes, there might be some key things you want to get to understand, like we said. Some key goals, like understanding what their challenges are. But it's not about firing lots of questions at them one by one and getting the answers. So rather than dwelling too much on what questions to ask, I'm also going to share some maybe techniques for making the conversation and your question asking a little bit more exploratory. So firstly, maybe this is an obvious one, but I think it's worth mentioning. Make your questions open-ended, not just yes or no questions. Another tip is to listen to your client and pick out key points. So like I said, it's not a Q&A. You ask a question, they answer you listen, then you move on to the next question. Each discussion point should be just that, a bit of back and forth. So when your client uses keywords or phrases, dig into it more. They might say something like, my brand doesn't stand out next to my competitors. Ah, okay, why do you feel it doesn't stand out? Or my website isn't converting. So what do you want to achieve in terms of conversions? Use what they're giving to you to expand more and find out more. You might find actually that it's not just the website that's not converting, it's that they're not driving traffic to that website, for example. So asking more questions will get more deeply to the bottom of what the key issues are. Often I find designers are very worried about having all the answers. But pointed, curious, insightful questions can also demonstrate your expertise and capabilities. Perhaps much better than just delivering the answers or making assumptions, digging your heels in, saying, I know, I know what the answer is. Another useful technique is hypotheticals. If you had a website that was working exactly as you want, what boxes would that be ticking? And also asking them about how they feel rather than what they think. How do you feel about your brand currently? That will get a very different response, a much more emotive, perhaps a more meaningful response. This is a stage where you want to get into what's really concerning them and what they want to achieve in business terms. Not just the executional bits and pieces. So ask questions to get to the crux of what their bigger issues are, how they're feeling about things, what success looks like, what's keeping them awake at night, that will get to the crux of that. So it's just a few examples of some of these kinds of questions. So you did your questionnaire. So you might say, you've shared with me that you want to create a brand that is a better reflection of you. Something that was covered, that came up in your quick questions, in that precursor to the discovery call. You know that. So what about your brand doesn't do that for you at the moment? You're using the information that they've given you. You're showing that you read it. And you're asking them to reflect more on that. You're pulling out a bit more information. Another question might be, what do you want to achieve through this process? And what would be the perfect outcome for you? That should get them talking about their hopes and aspirations. Another great question. Why has this become a priority for you right now? 
very likely to get them talking about their biggest pain point. I've had several people comment on my brand and that they didn't contact me to work with me because they didn't think I did X, Y, Z, whereas that's a big part of my business now where it didn't used to be. So you'll get to the bottom of what is affecting them right now. And my final tip here for this explore part of the call is to take notes. It shows you're interested and what they're sharing is important to you. But, and there's always a but, don't start writing such in-depth annotations that it stunts the conversation. Don't make that person feel like they've got to keep stopping because you're furiously scribbling notes. Keep a balance. If you really want to make sure that you capture everything, you maybe ask the client if they're comfortable with you recording the call. But don't stilt the conversation by constantly having your head buried in your notebook. Okay, so let's just recap. Phases that we've talked about so far in that discovery call are the pleasantries, the explore phase where you're asking questions and getting them to talk. And then you've got the share. So you've spent time on them and now it's time to share about you. But like I said, this is not you getting on your soapbox and delivering your TED talk. (laughs) A great question or statement here is, okay, so shall I tell you a bit more about me and my approach and how I think I can help? Of course, they will always say yes, but it's a much nicer approach than launching into your elevator pitch. And I think it's important here to aim to match what you say to what they've told you. You don't need to reinvent what you want to talk about, but certainly to reflect some of the key points that they've shared. You know, don't go deep into your naming expertise if they have categorically said they don't want to change their name. Doesn't mean you can't touch on it, but all I'm saying here is read the room. The next stage is the clarify. So this is a short pre-closer, let's call it. And its job is to ensure you hold space for that person to ask any final questions in the moment and to feel comfortable to do it. It really helps to get to any objections, get them out on the table and ensure you've answered all their questions. I'm not a fan of, so what's stopping you from buying today? It probably feels a bit awkward to ask, doesn't it? And if it feels awkward, it will come across as awkward. I prefer the clarifying question to be something like, you know, is there anything else you'd like to know or any questions I haven't answered for you today? This is a far more natural approach, I think, and it gets essentially the same result. It gets them to talk about anything they're still not sure about without putting them on the spot and making them feel like they have to buy today. And then the final part of the discovery call is the next steps. What are your next steps? So here you can get an understanding of any other decision makers that might be involved. If they have other people that they're going to meet and compare you with. What's their decision making time frame perhaps? When you find some of that out, you can tailor your follow up to that. You can ask if they need anything for the other decision makers or if it would help for you to meet them, for example. 
You can make sure that when they give you a time frame that they hope to make the decision by, that you follow up in line with that. If they say that they're going to be two weeks in the decision-making process, well, don't start badgering them in two days. Finishing on what are the next steps gets everyone focused on what needs to happen next, how we're going to bring this to a conclusion. So that's the five key phases, if you like, of the discovery call. It's a way of thinking about how you might frame your question asking, but also the information that you will share. And then after the discovery call, step four in that whole discovery process is your follow-up. Don't just leave it there. Mop your sweaty brow, dust yourself off and chalk it off as another discovery call done and dusted. You have to ensure you follow up. So follow up straight away with any supporting information you might have promised. And again, with the offer for further clarification, thanking them for taking the time. So do that immediate follow up. And then follow up maybe a week later, obviously in the context of what they've shared with you in terms of their next steps. But if they didn't tell you it's going to take more than a week and you haven't heard from them within a week, I think that's a good time frame to follow up. And don't be afraid at that point to ask for a yes or no. I really enjoyed our conversation. If you could let me know what you decide, either way, that would be great. I'd hate to keep following you up unnecessarily. I think that when someone takes your time to have a discovery call with them, to put it bluntly, they owe you an answer and it's okay to ask for that. Don't let them leave you hanging. And my final word, discovery calls are a learned skill. And you improve with time and practice. So maybe take a moment after each one to ask yourself what went well, what perhaps didn't go as well, and what you do differently next time. Learn from it. Don't expect to be a silver-tongued sales gun from the outset. This is just a human-to-human interaction. Go into it authentically curiously that's such an important thing go as yourself and trusting of the knowledge that you have no one wants you to be anything other than you so just to recap on those four broad steps of the discovery process so we talked about in detail the discovery core but discovery is also a process So there's the pre-discovery, all of the work that you do beforehand to ensure that when they get into that call, it's a check and balance. Then step one is setting yourself up for success, asking a few questions so that you can pre-qualify that person and perhaps do a bit of research. Step two is doing that background, emphasis on the background research, not solving the whole problem. Step three is obviously the call itself, And then step four, the follow-up. So discovery calls, do you do them? Are they a source of some trepidation or have you got it nailed? Did this help? (laughs) Let me know. I hate talking to myself. I'd much rather hear from you. So as always, thank you so much for joining me here on the C Word podcast. Have an amazing day and I look forward to chatting to you again very, very soon. 
Thank you so much for joining me, Beck Hughes, on the C Word podcast. If you'd like to know more about me and how we can work together, head on over to my website at beckhughes.com or find me on Instagram or Facebook at beckhughesbrandon. And if you like what you heard, subscribe, leave a review and share with your friends and business buddies who might like to listen in too. The music for this podcast is by Penguin Music on Pixabay.